0: All right, let's do this. You know, this is the, uh, we use the lectionary at Mission Hills, and this is the year of the Gospel of Luke, Uh, but today is Epiphany Sunday, which is a traditional feast day in the Christian church, and uh, we have Matthew, so Epiphany Sunday is the Matthew 2 text, so um, it's printed in the uh, bulletin, Um, but let's this morning do something different, and let's all stand and read this together. It's kind of a long text, so um, I'll read it, and you can feel free to to read silently or read it aloud if you want to join me, Um, or you can just mumble it. (laughs) I'll be reading, and we'll be all reading. It's in the bulletin from the voice translation this morning. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in the province of Judea at the time when King Herod reigned. Not long after Jesus was born, magi, wise men, or seers from the east, made their way from the east to Jerusalem. These wise men made inquiries. Wise men, where is this newborn who is king of the Jews? When we were far away in the east, we saw his star, and we have followed its glisten and gleam all the way to worship him. King Herod began to hear rumors of the wise men's quest, and he and all of his followers in Jerusalem were worried. So Herod called all of the leading Jewish teachers, the chief priests, the head scribes, and he asked them where the Hebrew tradition claimed the long-awaited anointed one would be born, scribes and the priests. An ancient Hebrew prophet Micah said this, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are no poor relation, for from your people will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." Herod called the wise men to him, demanding to know the exact time the special star had appeared to them. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem. Herod, go to Bethlehem and search high and low for the savior child, and as soon as you know where he is, report it to me so that I may go and worship him. The, the wise men left Herod's chambers and went on their way. The star they had first seen in the east reappeared, a miracle that, of course, overjoyed and enraptured these wise men. The star led them to the house where Jesus lay, and as soon as the wise men arrived, they saw him with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They unpacked their satchels and gave Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, just as Joseph did a few months before, the wise men had a dream, warning them not to go back to Herod. The wise men heeded the dream, and ignoring Herod's instructions, they returned to their homes in the east by a different route. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, so um, so Epiphany marks the, the end of the, the 12 days of Christmas, which is the Christmas season, and uh, so this is, you might think of this as a Christmas story, um, and I have a special treat. I felt like since uh, Laura gave these gifts, and I totally forgot to give them away on Christmas Eve, blame me. Um, that it's only fitting that since the wise men brought gifts, that uh, I should now uh, give these gifts to you all. So, so we're gonna have an Oprah moment here. Gifts for everybody, all right? What did everybody get? It might not be frankincense and myrrh, but it is a coaster. Oh my gosh! All right. Well, if you didn't, if you didn't get a gift, feel free to help yourself or you know, take gifts to work and be the hero tomorrow. All right, so we're going to, we're going to be talking about this mysterious story of the wise men this morning. Is anybody, is anybody familiar with this story? Yeah. you have heard it before once or twice. Yeah. gosh, that's an incredibly appropriate gift. Does so anybody know who's saying that? I don't know who's saying that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're they magicians, or, I mean, it's real, they're really mysterious figures, because no one's really sure, right, like, wh- where they, who they are, where, where they came from. Um, I always think it's interesting that uh, there's not we don't know how many. Like we have the We Three Kings and the songs and stories, but we actually don't know how many there there are. Yeah, Claudia. Is it like a national holiday? Really? Okay. Like, do people play those people? Like oh, so the, real ones, then, yeah, the, real the real ones? That's amazing. Really? Interesting. I've never heard that before. That's great. I know in places uh, in, in Latin America, it's a, it's a feast day. It's a national holiday in many countries um, in the Caribbean. Uh, any other interesting tidbits? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. <laughs> That's awesome. I have heard people say, like, this is a really weird baby shower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so Epiphany Sunday um, is, you know, it, it can be taken in, in many different ways, and, um, you know, I, I really want to look at it this morning about how uh, we've talked for actually several weeks in different ways about how we see. Like, wh- what are we, what are we, um, how we view reality. And um, we've had conversations on, on Wednesday nights that have been really interesting about um, Christianity and discovering ultimate reality and how many times the versions of religion or God or reality that we grew up with, um, over, they change over time. And we have, to, we have to adapt and rethink our worldview and our perspectives and the way we understand our faith and how we practice that in, in the world and in community and, and what that means for, for the church and Christianity. We talk uh, about discovering our true self, and um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about our inability to see reality clearly. Um, it's a fact of life, right, that we're all subjective beings, and, and we interpret events and occurrences from our very limited perspectives with finite information. Um, I, you know, It's a kind of a common saying, but it's kind of the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. Um, we usually do our best to to make decisions from the conclusions that we can draw about the world that we live in. Um, so today, Epiphany Sunday, um, I think is not about our simply our ability to to bear witness, um, interpreting events and incur- and, and uh, occurrences, but it's an it's a new opportunity in a new year to get it right. Do you, you know what I mean? Like to finally not, not just understand but actually get it. Uh, I, I think it's like a math problem uh, that you simply don't memorize the formula for so you kind of understand like how it, how it works and then you could like pass the test. I don't know, maybe Kevin, your students like can, are at that basic level. But when you get it, it's, it's like you understand the mechanisms at play so that you can draw new conclusions and go deeper into the field of study. You actually get it. You finally get it. So I think Epiphany Sunday calls us to not only see things a bit differently, but f- but actually get it. It's an opportunity for us. And I think theology, the art of theology, kind of works in that in that way. It's uh, it, it relies on our ability to to continue our commitment to re-understand God and to rethink. Reality, uh, maybe differently than we had first anticipated. Um, part of that discovery uh, in the Gospel of Matthew that we see is uh, where our text is found, is by re understanding who is in and who is out, who's included in the story and who's not included in the story. Perhaps you've read the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew before, and you realize that it begins with a long genealogy, right? Which is not the most thrilling opener to a book. But there's all sorts of strange characters um, and messages that the author is conveying with this list of names. For example, there are four foreign women in the genealogy, uh, with all with questionable uh, personal histories that in the first century would not have been viewed as honorable to, for producing the anointed one, Jesus. And now in our text today, early in this gospel, we have the magi, the magicians. Um, some think that they might might have been Zoroastrian priests or astrologers. Bizarre characters, for sure, for a Jewish story. From the East, and they're the ones that tell us about who God is. We often get our information about our worldview, how we see ultimate reality from the same kinds of sources, from the same sources. We find a measure of comfort, I think, in knowing... Uh, that we understand reality, that we have some firm ground that we can stand on. Whether that's in our religion or our politics, uh, we can rest easy at night knowing that we have like a grasp on this reality. And in this story, Matthew is representing to his audience that these magi outsiders are the ones who see and understand clearly and not the religious insiders. The kingdom of God Is a bottom-up reality. We saw this, and we talked about it on Christmas Eve. Jesus, God incarnate, comes from the lowliest places. So much of our world still operates as a top-down reality. Those in power wield against those that don't have power, and this was the case in first century Rome. Some believe uh, For instance, that there's unilateral power to build a wall based on prejudice and political spectacle. I don't know how we can relate to this story like this. (coughs) So Herod, he called all of the leading Jewish teachers together, the chief priests, the scribes, uh, the head scribes. And he asked them where in the Hebrew tradition claimed uh, this long anointed one, right? Herod, king, calls together who? The powerful calls together, he gathers the powerful, but Jesus, the lowly anointed one, comes from questionable means and paths through this strange genealogy, is being searched for and known by outsiders. Magi are not represented well in other places in the New Testament or in the Christian, early Christian tradition. They're not spoken of well in, in the book of Acts, or even by the early church fathers. Uh, the Magi are very strange people to be doing the ones discovering God. All right, Very strange. Actually, strange is probably, like, they're, they're probably offensive uh, to be the ones actually getting it about this lowly anointed Jesus. <coughs> we should be skeptical of... Um, uh, religious folks, particularly powerful ones that wield and, and seek pa- seek to maintain their power structures and institutions, uh, we can say about this say this about any top-down reality, um, whether it's uh, the promise that there's going to be a, 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 another politician that's going to to rule from the top down and make everybody's lives better, or if we're uh, seeing that top-down reality as um, you know. Uh, companies like Amazon or Apple that are just going to give us enough technology that we can all live happy lives finally. Thank you. You know, like, we need these people. This is all different top-down realities we should be um, inherently skeptical of. The kingdom of God is a bottom-up reality. It starts with the lowly. It starts with the human. It starts with the flesh and blood and works its way around the world through love. I think uh, that silence is a powerful reminder of this reality so basic that it's difficult um, it offer offers an opportunity for us to connect with the eternal present in our flesh and blood in our bodies in our hearts in our in our hearts in our minds uh, in a way that doesn't require the latest piece of technology that doesn't require uh, you to have x amount in your 401k it doesn't require anything and sometimes that can be really really difficult um, it's a it's the deepest truths that are sometimes the hardest realities to finally convince ourselves of. Um, we're so inundated with top-down realities that we forget that the kingdom of God is a bottom-up reality. The story of Matthew here with the Magi um, visiting is an improbable and unlikely factual reality, to be honest. So what is, Matthew, what is the author of this text trying to communicate like with this very strange story about these outsider magi following the star, looking for the anointed one, looking for this child who is going to be savior of the world, um, you know, coming across Herod and then going to find Jesus and give gifts of worship um, at, you know, it, it, to, to Jesus. Um, the, the political sphere and realm of this story is undeniable. It is so. It is so political. Um, there's a there's a professor, um, Elicio Perez Alvarez, uh, is a professor of uh, systematic theology, and he writes this about epiphany. He says, "Epiphany originally meant to um, meant the abrupt manifestation or showing up of a sovereign uh, to inspect a subordinate." So Epiphany was a sovereign to inspect the subordinate. But the Gospels changed the meaning to the appearance of the poor Jesus to inspect the powerful, bottom-up reality. Uh, This is an example of our tradition, our Christian tradition, trying to re-understand roles, power structures. He goes on, he says this. When the visit of the three magi took place, Herod, was, a, was ready to die uh, after 40 years of ruling the Israelites on behalf of Rome. That was from 40 uh, to four BCE. He was able to maneuver all that time in power due to police brutality and his cruel profile. And he is still frightened with the news of the Magi, the intriguing royal child, and the talking stars. Herod considered uh, news a concern of national security. I can't imagine any national security concerns today. His politics based on secrecy and terror are still mimicked by current Herods who don't listen to MLK when he said, history is the long and tragic story of the fact that the privileged groups seldom give up their privileges voluntarily. I wonder how we can possibly relate to a government uh, unwilling to give up privilege uh, while implementing policies and practices of cruelty to outsiders and perceived threats, many of whom are mothers and children, when they hold all the power. Jesus was a perceived threat by those in power, and he needed to be put away. So who are these wise men? Like I said, we don't, we don't know much. Despite the songs and the stories of three kings, not only did it require the wise men's courage and bravery and intelligence to seek out the Christ child, but it even required them to listen to their dreams, listening to their unconscious. I love that. It's, uh, so they go to, they go to Bethlehem, um, Bethlehem, um, Who who said there's no ham in, where did we, somebody said that recently, there's no ham in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, I'm sure, uh, I'm not pronouncing that at all right, Um, okay, so there's a part I want to read here, Um, then just as Joseph did a few months before, the wise men had a dream warning them not to go back to Herod, the wise men heeded the dream, ignoring, ignoring Herod's instructions, they returned to their homes. in in the east by a different route. Um, Ignoring the message of those in power, ignoring um, the threat of uh, having that empire potentially search out for you for not coming back and reporting would have been a dangerous move. Um, When the king tells you to go and report back and you don't, um, you can imagine that that's uh, not the safest scenario to put yourself in but these Magi, they're not only do they seek out God. Not only do they they get uh, the Christ Child in a in a different way. Not only do they point the, the way for us to follow, uh, but they they listen to their their intuitive. They listen to their dreams. Their unconscious. Um, and most of our um, many of you know that I, I enjoy the work of Peter Rollins. And many of our uh, religious participation or or participation in faith is all. Um, a set of beliefs that you intellectually, you know, agree to. And it's all the very, like, conscious things. Okay, I agree to this. We all go to the same church where all of us agree to the same set of principles. And then we go home and we come back and we know that we are all kind of on the same tribe because we agree to the same principles. But these magi, they take they take a, a deeper step. They're heeding their dreams, the unconscious ability to, uh, to not just... Uh, go through their lives uh, doing things, obeying things, understanding things, uh, but there's a deeper level of God at work, even in their dreams. Dr. Perez adds this, The wise men got their wisdom from dreams, uh, where we are sometimes more awake than even at vigil. Little wonder, then, on that day of Pentecost, we see, quote, youngsters still dreaming dreams. Maybe while dreaming, the creative unconscious of these Easterners allowed them to see the evil that Herod tried to conceal behind a pious religious mask. The Magi did not pay attention to Herod's insinuation. When you find him, bring me the word so that I will go and pay him homage. They knew that in politics, an insinuation is an order. But our heroes opted for gospel obedience over political obedience. In 2019, how can we listen to our truer selves? How can we listen to the unconscious levels of faith that are just beneath the surface, calling us into a deeper understanding, a deeper reality, a deeper epiphany, maybe? So on Epiphany Sunday, may we be willing to open our hearts Maybe, we, maybe we, be will, may we be willing to see that the outsiders can actually teach us and show us the divine. That there is always a new opportunity to be given new eyes to see the expansive mystery of the universe is way more compelling than our basic theological conclusions. Our understandings that just stop. These are safe. So may we put our trust not in the power structures, but follow the example of these strange magi and what they tell us about the bottom up reality of the kingdom of God that's proclaimed all throughout the Gospels, which is good news to the poor rescue for the outcast and hope for the downtrodden. Let's pray. Loving God, uh, when we think we know you, when we think we've found you, um, may you stir within our hearts a new understanding, a fresh word. May you linger Within our minds, in a new way, to see somebody on the outside, somebody that's uh, hasn't been given a chance, people that are uh, oppressed, and people that uh, are seen as other or less than. uh, Those are the ones that show us who you really are.